Hey there, welcome into today's episode of the Motherhood Merged Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest. Danielle Bettman is an early childhood educator, parenting coach, and founder of Wholeheartedly. Her coaching teaches families with strong-willed littles how to manage tantrums, eliminate power struggles, and get on the same parenting page. She's a mom to two young girls. She offers this blend of life experience and educational training, and she understands the need for sanity and solutions. She helps parents extend their patience, rewire their mindset, and write a family business plan. Danielle and I had a really great conversation, and this is one where you might want to grab a pen and some paper so you can jot down some notes and then dive in a little bit deeper by checking out some resources that Danielle shares at the end. I had a great time during this conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Hi there, I'm Erin Kraber. I'm a marketing professional with a passion for building a community of industry-leading women navigating careers and motherhood at the same time. Every week, I'll be sharing tips and tricks to help women grow their local businesses, build their personal brands, and be leaders in their communities, and sharing the stories of women who make it happen while keeping the kids healthy and the house still standing. This is a place for honest conversations among women about business and motherhood. Welcome to Motherhood Merged. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest. Please join me in welcoming Danielle Bettman to the Motherhood Merged podcast. Hi, Danielle. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. I've been looking at a lot of the great work you've been putting out, so I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, How old are your kids? My kids are eight and will be 12 in less than two weeks. Okay. Yeah, mine are seven and eight. I have two girls, so we're in that that preteen uh, stage pretty hard right now. <laughs> I have two girls as well, but I'm right behind you. Yes. Oh, we're going to have so much fun. But first, <laughs> I'd love for you to tell us um, a little bit about yourself and your journey and all the different hats that you wear. Sure. So I went to college for teaching. You know, back when you're supposed to like have it figured out what you're going to do with your life. Um, all I knew is I, I loved working with kids. So I got a degree in elementary ed and early childhood uh, with like a special degree where it's like a special ed built in and everything. And so out of college, I started working at a school called Educare and worked in a Head Start classroom. And then I moved to an early Head Start classroom. And then I got an opportunity to start a home visiting program with Save the Children. And the reason I jumped from a classroom to home was because I realized what happens in the classroom is great, but what happens at home is it's really wiring kids. It's like their parents, the parent-child relationship, that's where so much of that environment um, creates who these kids end up you know, to be. And parents are doing the hardest job in the entire world with no orientation period, no training manual, no uh, village, like all the things. And so um, I loved getting to work one-on-one with families that welcomed me into their home every single week. And we just got to talk about what they were struggling with, connect them with more resources, give them books to read with their kids, and just get to play together. And so then I had my own daughters And I was shocked that they ever listened to a word I had to say because textbooks are one thing, parenting is next level. And the the mental load, the 24-7, all of it, I'm speaking to the choir, obviously, but it's so much deeper. So, And my second daughter's personality taught me 
everything I now know about kiddos that just have such a fiery, passionate personality that uh, are so sensitive, have such big emotions. And I had they only really do that within the context of their parent-child relationship. They go to school and they're great. So this is a whole new realm of child development that I had not even dove into yet. So that is what I started to be able to share with other friends. I was leading a mom's group and eventually had a midlife crisis of what do I want to be when I grow up and realized that I wanted to work one-on-one with families again. I wanted to be able to share what I knew about uh, what works for kids, what kids need, and be able to also support parents and their patients and just give them a lot more validation. And so I created my company wholeheartedly two and a half years ago to be able to do in-home sessions with families, which of course with COVID have switched to all virtual and I can help families everywhere, which is so much fun. Um, And I started my podcast a year ago now um, called Failing Motherhood, which is just normalizing the feeling of like feeling like you're screwing up your kids, feeling like you're doing it all wrong, feeling like you are not the one your kids need, but ultimately remembering every episode that you are and being able to share um, a lot of that perspective. And so that's what I do now um, on a daily basis. And I'm loving the dream. <laughs> wow. Uh, first, let me just say that I know you can't see me. This is this is an audio recording, but I'm like, you know, the, the wipe sweat from the brow when you mentioned some <laughs> of those things of you know, there's no manual. You don't get to leave the hospital with a little orientation. Um, no. You know, that village. I don't know. No one's ever slipped me the phone number to the village that everyone No. Has. Where is it? <laughs> yeah. and, and that doesn't mean that we have, you know, like our kids are terrible or they're poorly behaved or we're, you know, no. every day is a struggle. That's not it. That's not it um, for sure. So I, I feel very relieved when we can have those open and honest conversations. And I love the way you phrased, you know, that part about your, your kids acting one way at home and then another way at school, because I think that it, it makes me feel better, you know, that it's, (laughs) that it's not just mine. And, um, you know, as a mom, you're always kind of looking for that validation. So I particularly love those, those things that you said there, they really, um, spoke to me for sure. So you mentioned, you know, your, your second child in particular really kind of helped opening your eyes to a whole different personality type and, and a different maybe mother-daughter relationship. So, mm-hmm. you know, how did you recognize that and recognize the need to adjust as the parent rather than adjust her as the child? Ooh, good question. Yeah. Because I think I think we all, we all come into parenting with instincts based on how we were parented. And we have some type of societal expectations of what our expectations of kids' behavior is at at some sort of developmentally appropriate realm. And then we're just so confused when it doesn't match up, right? Because every kid is so different and every kid needs to be parented differently. And so much of what we're trying to do is create plan C when maybe partner A has plan A, partner B has plan B. It needs to be a totally different approach. But we start off with what we know. Right. And uh, with my my first daughter, she was more of that textbook. Okay, you know, tell me once I'll do it. Um, I don't want to cause any added fuss. You know, I'm very internally driven, so it's not really a problem. I'm going to do what I'm asked, Um, you know, a lot more even keel with her emotional reactions. Like everything's not really a big deal, good or bad. 
you know, um, just pretty, pretty easygoing. And uh, then my second daughter, same situation, 15 months later, you know, not a lot has changed. And she, everything is a big deal to her. Everything is like the Richter scale is just high highs, low lows. And that has pretty much been her MO from day one. And if if you give her any of the same reminders, um, you know, try to give a bribe or some sort of threat to get her to do what you need, um, it not only does it not work to get her to do it, it usually makes it worse. It adds pressure. It creates more of a power struggle. It, uh, you know, forces this dynamic of helplessness on the side of, of the parent because you're like, I just need you to get your shoes on and get in the car. Like, I don't know what else to do. To I've tried all my tools and they're all not working. And so I, what I knew, though, is like, she knows herself. I didn't want to resort to corporal punishment, you know, controlling type of uh, tools to really force her to do what I needed. I knew that I needed to work on having more clear communication, being able to be the role model and actually be proud of my composure rather than worrying as much about her behavior and um, really be able to hold space for the big emotions, good and bad, they were not morally wrong, but I was just very uncomfortable with them. Just different. It's just different. Yeah. And I knew that like emotions at my house when we were growing up were not welcomed. You know, we didn't talk about things. We did. It was not, I was not able to express, you know, the full realm of my ups and downs. And so I knew that there was work to be done on my part so that I could be the mom that she needed in those moments, but it's not, it's not a black and white, you know, wake up tomorrow and do it differently. It's hard. Since you have two girls and I have two girls, um, Mm -hmm. given that you've worked with, I'm sure kids of all ages and stages, is that a similar thread among boys and girls? Or do you find that that's maybe girls experience emotions a little bit bigger? Is that a ages and stages or gender? Or um, do you pick up on any of those types of patterns? Yeah. I thought for a while that it was very sibling order related because it seems like, you know, second, second kids um, may have more of that tendency to just like be their own person and blaze their own trail. But uh, a lot of the families that I've worked with, it's really kind of 50, 50 between first child and second child having this really strong personality and it's boys and girls, and it doesn't really diminish with time. Um, you know, you, you run into crises at different ages, depending on how much of a foundation you've laid or how much coping skills you've been able to teach. And, you know, l- the longer they go without being able to have the, the individualized approach that they need, then they may have a harder and harder time because they just get bigger and bigger. You know, <laughs> so um, I really just think it's it's totally a neurological personality thing where their brain just sees the world differently. And, you know, there might be some neurodivergence with that or some more um, sensory overload or sensitivity um, involved as well. Um, but everybody has an element of that. You know, like I I hate loud noises. I get very overwhelmed by a lot of people talking to me at once. It's just like, you know, some some of those 
quirks that we all have um, bottled up into a little person that doesn't have all the tools to be able to express that well and, and share what they need. It really makes parenting seem like an ongoing psychological experiment. If I'm being <laughs> totally. I find it, yeah, I find it so interesting. And that's, that's what I love about having conversations. You know, it's, it's not always fun or um, it is uncomfortable sometimes to talk about these kind of things that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. But when you do, you, you know, open up to all these different, you know, insights and nuances of, of personalities and how yeah. little people, just like you said, little people can have all of that, you know, we're, I'm you know, closing in on, on 40 and, you know, I don't have it all figured out. How do we expect, you know, five, seven, 12, 15 year olds to, to experience what we're experiencing and, and have a reaction that's predictable, I guess. Right. Yes. Yeah. They are people. They are people with the complexity that grown up people have with bad moods and good days and, you know, off time, like just being not fun to be around sometimes. Like we all have all of that natural up and down and somehow we just don't give kids as much credit that they have the same. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, what is popping up for me is this idea of patience. Um, I know myself, I say all this in light, but really I know about myself that I am not a very patient person. I feel like we're always in a hurry. We're always moving on to something. I want to be on to the next thing and getting things done in a timeline. And the kids Mm -hmm. always, you know, again, they have that different set of priorities and they have a different timeline. So, you know, what advice do you have for extending patience with your kids? You know, remembering all these things that we're talking about, I can, you know, it's great to talk about it now, but in the moment, Mm -hmm. that is the last thing I'm thinking about. (laughs) It's so true. Yes. And that's, I realized that very quickly when I started problem solving specific situations and coaching sessions with families, you need strategies, right? You need to know what do I do in the moment to get them to cooperate? How do I handle this meltdown? What do I do when they, you know, do this? What's the appropriate consequence? Or like all of those things are pragmatically needed and contributes to less of a feeling of powerlessness and helplessness as a parent when you feel like you can trust yourself to know what to do. However, those strategies that you're learning, especially if they're very new to you and foreign and not practiced, they are not accessible in the moment unless you have that sanity that makes it accessible. Like you, if you don't have the wherewithal of how to regulate yourself and be able to stay in a really composed place to call upon those skills and remember it in the moment, then it's almost useless. So you can't address strategies and things without also addressing that patience factor. And that's why I call my coaching sanity and solutions, um, because you need both. And uh, there's more elements to that as well, because I have I have five S's in total, sanity, solutions, getting on the same page as a parenting team, um, having secure relationships, and getting support. And I feel like you need all five. But the patience piece is a huge part of it. And it's really an underdeveloped and underrated parenting skill because we all just beat ourselves up and say like, well, I just need to be more patient. It's like, yeah, well, if we if beating yourself up worked, we all wouldn't have a problem. <laughs> We'd be good to go. If that mom guilt helped, then problem solved. Um, but it's way more complex. And it has to do with a lot of 
webs of what contributes to your capacity. There's deeper things that contribute to a certain moment of why you lose your temper, because it could be that they do the same behavior Tuesday at four o'clock and they do the same behavior, you know, Wednesday at 7 a.m. And you react totally differently because of what's going on for you in those moments. And it could be the time crunch. It could be that you're in public. It could be that you um, have a different set of expectations or you don't have a boundary for that, you know, set of routines. Um, There's so many things contributing, but the one that I feel like has the most pressure or contributes the most that we don't address very often is the story that you're telling yourself in your head. You have mindsets and you have beliefs and you have thoughts that are explaining and narrating every situation that you have with your child. And most of the time, they're unhelpful. Most of the time, they are um, over-exaggerating or they are generalizing and casting to the future, you know, all of these anxieties about how this one behavior is going to roll into this next problem. And then all of a sudden they're in juvie and you're a terrible parent and (laughs) they just balloon with momentum. And that causes your body and your brain to react like it is a level 11 crisis when in all actuality, the circumstance is just a child crying over a broken granola bar. <laughs> so when you realize the, the thoughts that you're having and are able to rewire those and replace them with a lot more centering, grounding, reality giving thoughts, then it helps you get back on track with being able to then respond in a way that you want to and feel a lot more proud of yourself at the end of that moment. One of the things I've always prided myself on is kind of as the mom, I always feel like I'm 10 steps ahead. But mm. that really shows that doing, you know, having that approach at times really can be a negative because you're seeing things that aren't aren't there that that does add that added pressure. So that's yeah, mm-hmm. so interesting. Yeah, you're not alone. <laughs> um, I want to hit on one of the other um, S's that you mentioned, and that's this idea of the same page. You know, why is it important to have that united parenting front in in how we're raising our kids? Yeah, I think, like I said before, we come into parenting in our families with different expectations because we were raised differently. And that's great, right? That opposites attract, yin to the yang um, can be such a value bonus. However, you do need to be able to, you know, create this new plan based on whatever kiddo walks in your door and, and becomes you know part of your family. And once you start to really get to know their personality, you can, through experiment, figure out, okay, they need a heads up in these situations. They're very triggered by this type of situation. They um, really thrive when we, you know, whatever it is. And then you kind of create your parenting strategies based on how you view success in the world and what's needed and, you know, maybe some of the parenting research you've done. But the problem I see the most right now in this day and age is kind of an exposure imbalance where one parenting partner is doing the majority of the research when it comes to talking to other parents, hearing other stories, um, reading the blogs, listening to the podcast episodes, having the conversations about, um, you know, parenting strategies and hearing what, what's working for others and being able to bring new approaches into the home. It's usually, I, I saw a poll that was 97% of families would say, 
one parent is doing the majority of that, or they're exposed at least to more than the other. And the problem becomes when that parent then either has an obligation or a responsibility to educate or um, catch up the other parent with, hey, I heard this, we're doing it this way now, or, you know, here's something we need to change, you're doing this wrong. And the other parent is not less interested or less engaged in wanting to have a decision about this, you know, particular strategy. They want to feel just as empowered and educated in the why and the how, and ultimately they want to feel like they're a good parent as well. So what happens is there is um, a lot of undermining that could happen or a lot of just resentment because it feels like nagging. It feels like criticism. It feels like you're telling, you know, I never do anything right. And there never is an opportunity for both parents to feel like they are learning the information together at the same time. What what the coaching that I've created and the way that I've done it is to write a family business plan because... Every family wants what's best for their kids. Sometimes we haven't even defined what best is. And so it just feels like we're kind of throwing spaghetti at a wall day in and day out, hoping some semblance of a good human being comes out at the end and 18 years later. Um, But you need to be able to take the time and write down what your core values are. What are the end goals that you want your kids to be able to do and be at the end. Who do you want them to be? What skills do you want them to have? What do you want to be true of their life? And that really creates the trajectory that you dial back so that you know that you're doing the things that matter most now and that you're on the right track. And it's really important to realize that the most well-behaved kids doesn't always translate to the end goals that you're looking for at the end. Sometimes it's it's a different path entirely. Sometimes you It's a lot harder to, um, you know, if you want your kids to be critical thinkers and to be able to stand up for themselves and to be able to make change in the world, then that starts at home and you have to welcome some of that negotiation and some of that pushback and, you know, have the tools to keep yourself with a game face on, you know, in those moments. And so being able to, to realize that and then to be able to step back and plan that together and feel like you're making that decision at, you know, both empowered with it, both with your questions answered about it. And how are we doing in connecting with this kiddo? And when we connect, we have influence. And it's a lot more of the um, good boss, bad boss dynamic. Like I I just relate things back to business so much. One, because male partners relate to that (laughs) pretty well, where it makes sense. They're very entrenched in, you know, leadership culture and being able to know how business practices work. We've all worked for a good boss that has really seen us for who we are, empowered us, been able to give us more control. Um, We're more willing to work for that person than we are for a boss that uh, doesn't care, micromanages, um, only criticizes. Our kids are kind of our employees and they want to work for a good boss. So when we're, when we're seeing things from more of that business lens, we're able to zoom out and make sure that we're aligned with the parent we want to be and the culture that we want to have in our home. This has been such a great conversation, Danielle, and you've brought up so many great topics and just, you know, really good bullet points to really, I think, 
for us to think about as moms and how we're kind of navigating the the parenting relationship and, and how we empower our kids to be their best selves. It may not always be what we think it is, and it also may not always be as bad as we tend to think it is either. Exactly. Well, Danielle, where can everybody find more about you and about your programs and your podcast, Failing Motherhood, which I absolutely love that title. <laughs> yes. Wherever you're listening to this, you can find Failing Motherhood. We do every other week episodes, a lot of interviews. Um, go find that. But then I'm most active on Instagram. I am at parent underscore wholeheartedly. Come say hi there. And then my website is parentingwholeheartedly.com. And I have a free masterclass um, that's you know downloaded that you can re- record and watch at any time called Chaos to Calm. And so it's a great place to start there if you want to know more about uh, my coaching process and some of the ways that you can eliminate meltdowns and uh, reduce the power struggles in your home and get on the same page. Um, so you can find that at parentingwholeheartedly.com slash masterclass. All right. Well, I hope everyone will take advantage and learn a little bit more about your process and, and just learn a little bit more about themselves and, and some of the research that you've done. I find it so fascinating. So I'm so appreciative of you for jumping in on Motherhood Merged and having a great conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Motherhood Merged. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I love putting it together. If you want to know when new episodes drop, be sure to subscribe on the platform of your choice so the newest episodes are automatically there and ready to enjoy. And if you want to help this show grow and reach more women who can benefit from hearing what I share, I would be so grateful if you would leave a review or share this episode with a friend. Super easy. Take a screenshot, post to your stories with a key takeaway or two, and don't forget to tag me at Aaron underscore Kraber, and I'll be sure to shout you out in return. Until next time, stay sane, my friends.